We've just been through the coldest period that we're likely to endure here at Longleaf Breeze on a regular basis anyway. And guess what? We survived. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze. Beginners learning subsistence farming using three simple principles. Approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it. And we don't make allness statements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian. And welcome to another week here at Longleaf Breeze as we share with you what's going on and how we're coping and what we're learning. And you're right, we've been through a really tough week in terms of low temperatures. I guess the lowest it got was like 17, 18, no, it was 16 one morning. 16, right. It was pretty cold. It was pretty cold. Um, But boy, I never felt like we were too cold or not able to cope or anything like that. No, in fact, with the wood stove in the apartment, the apartment stayed plenty warm. Uh, We were able to get it warm and keep it that way. Really, it was just the storage room where the uh, washer and dryer are. (laughs) That um, presents a little bit of a problem just because it's so cold to be working out there. But I've tried to time my... um, washing periods so that it's the middle of the day not I try not to go out there at night when it's so cold if I can avoid it and just to review with you so you know how this is constructed we live in a 600 square foot apartment in the pole barn and our bed and um, you know the kitchen and everything we normally use is inside that little heated and cooled space right, right. very well insulated zipped up tight as a drum but what you're describing is where the washer and dryer are, which um, fortunately or unfortunately didn't make it into the apartment. They're <laughs> in the storage room. And you're right. It's not well insulated. It's on the edge of the building. We've made no attempt to do climate control in there other than to give you some spot heating when needed. Right. Yeah, I think what you've noticed is that when if you get started in the morning, it's on the west end of the building, so if you get started early in the morning, it's quite cold in there. Yet, um, if you wait until the afternoon, you've got more of that afternoon sun coming in, and it does feel a little more tolerable. Right, right. In fact, that afternoon sun has made a difference in uh, putting up the Christmas decorations this week, which is another thing we mentioned last week that I was still working on. <laughs> Yesterday afternoon was the warmest afternoon we'd had in about a week or two. And um, I just staged everything out on the back porch, which gets that nice afternoon sun, and spread it all out and repacked it in an organized fashion, I might add, for the first time in about 20 years. Uh, oh, actually I making think you're note, being unfair to yourself. Oh, I, I would say was, the first time in maybe five Maybe years. five years. Um, yes, I ended up spending January traveling to London and having all these excuses for putting up my decorations in haste. Those, so this year I just decided... With the move and everything, I needed to be really organized. Plus, I got rid of some things. So, bottom line is, it worked out great. I got had enough afternoon sun to get it done, and now it's all sitting out on the porch, waiting to be some of it to be stored at Mama's house in her attic. She has a nice, spacious attic with lots of room for our gear, and then some of it, like candles and things that we don't want to melt in a hot attic, will be stored in our storage room. And I am proud to say, and I do mean I am proud to say, that for the first time in several years, Christmas fits in the back of a full-size pickup truck. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) including a couple of boxes that we'll be taking by uh, the 
I guess Jimmy Hale or whatever the, uh, probably Salvation Army pickup or Goodwill, whatever we can find in Montgomery. Which will be good. Um, it's time right. to go ahead and share that blessing so That's somebody right. else can enjoy yes. it. Anything else you want to add about the staying warm process, maybe about the wood stove? Yeah, let's talk briefly, because we've alluded to this in the past, but we've not said it definitively because we had not been through a truly cold spell. Um, we started out splitting our wood down to rather small pieces, and by the rather small I mean like two and a half, three inches in diameter. Mm -hmm. um, and you and I had a continuing dialogue about that, and then Ken uh, from uh, Professional Chimney Services in Columbus came to help us with some things and suggested that we needed to have larger pieces. Mm -hmm. His thought was, if you want the stove to burn through the night, you're going to want to have larger pieces. And he was right about that. But what you and I have learned is that even on those coldest nights, we did not feel a need to have the stove burn through the, the all through the night. Right, that's true. We didn't. We We got by just fine letting it go out during the night. Even if I had to get up and go to the bathroom during the night, I never felt uncomfortable. Because the little apartment is so well insulated and uh, holds the heat so well, what we've done is we've had a fire in the evening, and then when I get up in the morning, 4.30, 5 o'clock, I'll light a fire, and then by the time you get up, um, it's quite warm in here and very comfortable. So now we know that when we uh, cut, split, and stack firewood, we're going to want to get everything down to those small size pieces because they're the best to start a fire and they work fine for burning a fire as well. Right. And we have identified in some of our walks some other um, deadfall and, and trees that are you know, in, in leaning to the point they look doomed. And when we cut that up, which we prob probably will be doing before too long, we know how to cut that exactly. in a more usable way. We want small pieces as we cut it up. And, you know, I guess this is neither here nor there, but just as a parenthetical, we've figured out that we really don't have that much deadfall, which was remarkable when you think how much rain we've had. That's right. The soil should be loose, trees should be falling, but um, we're not complaining. No, I'm glad they didn't. We need to, all the healthy trees we can get. So. And we just have, we've not lost that many trees this winter, which has been interesting. Um, but there are still plenty we can cut down and, or, uh, that it's really not a matter of cutting them down, is it? I mean, no. there are relatively few that we need to cut down. Mostly we just need to cut up things that are already either fallen or doomed. They're, right. they're dying. Yes. And we're just going to go ahead and put them out of our misery. Right. So you wanted to talk about the hot water. Well, why don't I offer my perspective and you tell <laughs> about what really <laughs> happened. Um, I woke up the morning before last, I think, to have you tell me that we didn't have any hot water. And of course, during the night, again, if I got up to get a sip of water, I didn't notice that because all I drink was cold water. But to refresh you, our hot water is a tankless water heater that heats it up on demand. Right. But basically what you were telling me was, you're going to have to wait a while for that hot shower today. <laughs> and, uh, of course, would you like to talk about what it was you discovered? I sure would, because I think my perspective's different from yours. Uh, what I remember is I realized in the pre-dawn hours that we didn't have hot water. 
And while you slept, let me remind you. In the pre-dawn hours, most people sleep, may I remind you. (laughs) (laughs) I went out and fetched that halogen work light, took it out and set it up by that cold loop, got it melted and running and operating fully by the time you awakened. I know. Queen Amanda. I know. But but, But I just remember the trauma of your saying, let me tell you about my adventure. We didn't have hot water, and of course, you know, I was afraid, I guess, that it might we might continue to have the problem, but what I want you to do is explain why we had the problem. Thank you. The reason we had the problem, at my request, Tim Ledbetter, our plumber, had fashioned a loop that feeds the tankless water heater. That loop goes out to the south side of the barn where one day, we hope, we will install a batch water heater. It's a device that sits in the ground, soaks up sunshine, and preheats the water so that we use less propane to have hot water. And that will be a move toward even better or greater energy efficiency. Exactly. Even more resilience using even less propane than we are now. Um, But what we eventually figured out, it took me a while to figure it out because I tried two or three different other things thinking they might be the issue and then I thought about that loop. What happened is that loop goes out to the south side of the barn, comes up in the flower bed that we've put on the south side of the barn and goes back down again to come back so that it makes it to the tankless water heater. Well, when it comes up, it sticks out of the ground, or it did stick mm-hmm. out of the ground, about eight inches of it. And when I finally figured out that was the problem, I went out there and felt it, and it was like a steel rod. It was completely stiff. Oh, not good. that's when I knew, okay, that's our problem. I've got a solid block of ice here that um, is keeping any water from getting to the tankless water heater and therefore keeping us from having hot water. So I did set up that halogen work light in the pre-dawn hours to put some heat right on that um, PEX loop. That was a good idea, too. Thank you. And, and I'm proud of the fact that you never lost your hot water. <laughs> That's true. I, I should have started. I should have led with that and said, I never lost my hot water. Um, but I could have. <laughs> but you could have. And we did lose it, and, and we're learning. Um, you just need to be very careful about what you leave exposed to the elements. And didn't you cover it up with dirt later? I did. I covered it up with, well, I actually got out there later that afternoon and dug a hole and buried that loop completely. So okay. it's covered up in dirt. Not real deep. Um, I'd say probably no more than five or six inches deep. And we have not had any problems with it since. No, I mean, it haven't had any problems, even though it got much colder later. Right. So that just shows that just that little bit of soil on top mm-hmm. is enough mm-hmm. to keep it warm. Nice thing about living in central Alabama. Yes. Yeah, you don't have to difference. have it buried that deep yeah. to uh, to get protection from the freezing. So that was followed quickly by problems with the septic tank. And, and that I one cannot really, say yes. that you are shielded from those. Right. That's the one that um, he awakened me the next morning saying, we have no septic tank. It's like, oh, no. Because I knew what that meant, no flushing. Yes, indeed. Well, you want to tell us how we got into this mess, and then we can go from there. Oh, well, we went outside and um, noticed a little bit of a, sewage smell not too far from the septic tank sort of hovering around that 
and even around the corner into the shop area. Yeah. Um, we noticed. and That's I, where I really noticed it is in the yeah, shop. Yeah. For some reason, it was even stronger there. So um, you called Dale, who, was, who had installed the septic tank, and uh, asked him for some advice. And he said basically that um, it may indicate we don't have enough of the bacteria developed that you know, I never really understood how a septic tank works, but we're getting to be experts now. Uh, there need to be some bacteria there to, I guess, digest exactly. the organic matter when well it comes done. down. And we installed that septic tank, or he, Dale installed it back in uh, still warm weather, uh, August, September, we think, maybe. But we didn't really move in to this apartment and start using it until November. In fact, it was mid to late November, and... Therefore, there was no sewage coming into it. There was no organic matter coming into that um, septic tank before then. And then the weather, of course, immediately turned cold. And we now theorize perhaps that bacteria never really had a chance to develop. Exactly. So according to Dale, without that organic matter and the bacteria, um, with, with insufficient organic matter, because there are just two of us living here, and you can draw your own conclusion about that. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, I think I'm doing my share. I just think it's you <laughs> who's falling down on the job. But, you know, it's, it's um, and we've traveled some and been away. You know, we spent a couple of weeks at the lake, so practically it wasn't getting used at all for a while. Um, but anyway, Dale's suggestion was you need to put some kind of organic matter down there quickly so he suggested buying a 20-pound bag of the cheapest dog food we could get and just pour that down into what was the part of the... It's called the clean-out port. Right, clean-out port. So, and, and so I bought the dog food, so that's the end of my story. So I think you should take it from there and talk about... So I took the 20-pound bag of dog food and put it down the clean-out port. It stacked up, so I used the hose to flush it out, um, thinking I was getting it all, all the way into the septic tank. And now we know I failed in that. What we ended up with was a mass of dog food in the pipe between the clean-out port and the septic tank. And that dog food, with the addition of lots of moisture from, mm -hmm. the, um, from our flushing things down the septic tank, developed into a sticky, gummy, hardened mass that blocked off eventually that pipe and kept anything from making it into the septic tank. So we didn't have, when, when I flushed the toilet, I saw it back up, um, thought, I was, thought it was a problem with the toilet, and I was thinking, oh, we need a plunger. And I ran water from the lavatory, and it seemed to be running fine through there, so I'm thinking, okay, it's a problem with the toilet. Then I noticed the water coming into the floor of the shower, and that's when I knew we were in trouble. Um, so... Um, I will spare you the details of what I did that pre-dawn period, uh, but suffice to say, I didn't get the problem solved, so I had to confess to you when you awoke the next morning that we didn't have a septic tank. <laughs> and then we, you tried, you bought a, what was that device you bought to try a to, snake. a snake, um, and you tried to fix it? Tried to do it with the snake and couldn't get through that mass with the snake, it just wasn't strong enough, but... Um, Dale eventually was able to send his folks out and uh, using their expertise and water hose were eventually able to uh, get through that clog and flush it out so that it, it worked okay. Um, 
So our lesson for you is uh, there's this idea of putting organic material in the um, septic tank is probably sound, but um, if you do it, you need to put it right in the tank. Don't try to do that clean-out right. port. And you've written a blog entry about that. I so have. for more information and yeah, a lot more detail. Yeah, it'll be the show notes page. Right, right. so that's good. Um, so if you, if you really want to find out even more about the septic tank issues, there, there's a link there on the show notes page. Well, for someone new to septic tanks, it's probably not a bad idea to read it. Because You're right. Um, there, apparently there have been some developments in the way septic tanks are built in the, over the past five years or so, and it would probably be relevant for anybody who's, who's put a new one in. Um, we've also done some clearing and burning this week. It That's sure been kind of nice fun. To get back to that. We just decided we were having cabin fever, and even though it was cold, we needed to get out and do something that wouldn't be horrible work for this kind of weather. And having a nice fire pile going, and uh, we, we had a stack of, well, we have so many stacks of downed sticks and debris that need to be cleared out. But, but we have two less stacks now. Yes, and that's very nice. Yes. Um, it was a day. We, we spent we've, uh, basically the better part of two days right, um, down on there. clearing and burning mm -hmm. at various times during the week. And have had a, it's just real pleasant to do that this time of year. Feels That's good. Right. Yeah. And you feel even better when you walk down there and see what the woods can look like when it's a little bit more cleared out and doesn't have that logged look. So uh, we this is something that will continue over the next many years, but each time we clear one of those piles, we feel pretty good about it. So, Absolutely. And um, I guess plans coming, we need to deal with the orchard. It's time mm -hmm. to, to deal with the orchard. We've got some plans to go see the folks at Petals from the past and learn a little more about that. Right. Um, still got that deer fence that we need to put in. And right. we've got some more clearing and burning to do up there before we do that. Um, then uh, we've obviously got to order seeds for our spring garden. And we've right. got the erosion control issue on that hill between the lodge site and the barn. Right, right. Those are our projects um, that are coming. And um, next week, got a big field trip. That's right. Southern SOG. Uh, Southern, Southern Sustainable Agriculture Working Group. Right. It's, it has an annual conference every year. And this year it meets in Chattanooga. So we hope to go and uh, find out more about what we need to be doing. So we'll have much tips. to share with you. I don't know whether we'll have... No, next week we won't have a lot to share with you about Southern Sog other than the fact that we will be recording it from Chattanooga and uh, publishing it from up there. Uh, but then the week after that, we should be able to tell you a great deal about what we learned and what we experienced and so forth. Right. So I guess this is it for today, and we will talk to you soon. Have a good week. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. We'd love to hear from you. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Or you can send us honest-to-goodness mail at P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama 36078. To browse our archive, to learn more about the farm and about Lee and Amanda, and to talk with other listeners, visit us at longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.